Thanks so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit mpcocala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Wasn't it good to be in church on a Wednesday night? I just want to welcome you to Meadowbrook Church. Uh, Pastor Tim sends his regards. He says hello. And can we just do this? I like to give honor where honor is due. Can we just give it up for our pastors, Pastor Tim and Alicia? They're such amazing shepherds. Just love them. I love being under their leadership and guidance. They're so awesome. And he also wanted me to remind you guys that we are in a a very important series called Essentials. And so come Sunday to hear part three. Uh, We have services at 9, 10, 30, and 12. So come to that and hear how we can live closer to God through the essential parts of our life and the essentials that you need to grow closer to him. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be here. Um, I don't get to be here that much. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Daniel Mims. I'm one of the student pastors here at Meadowbrook. I've uh, been here about two years or so. And uh, so a little bit of background about me. Um, I'm one of the student pastors, as I said. And also, I am from Tallahassee. So I don't know if you guys know where Tallahassee is. It's kind of the capital of Florida. It's not Orlando or Miami. Um, And also we are the home of Florida State Seminoles. Oh, we have some Knowles here. We have some Knowles here. I had to throw that in there. I'm a Gator hater till the day I die. Not going to lie. Go Knowles all day. I can't help it. But some of you guys call Tallahassee like Tallahassee for some reason. I don't know why. I like to call it Tallahassee myself. A little bit of Ron Burgundy in me, I guess. Uh, but Tallahassee. And also, uh, I've been recently married about 10 months ago. So we can throw a picture of my beautiful wife. We've been married about 10 months. So sorry, guys. She is off the market. I love you, babe. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do a lot of what I do uh, without her. She's such an encouragement, and I love her so much. Uh, but is anyone ready to get into the Word tonight? Anybody ready? Awesome. So tonight's sermon is called, From the Pit to the Palace. From the Pit to the Palace. And we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. Now, most of us in here have probably heard the story of Joseph before. We've probably been in Sunday school and heard the, the story of the coat of many colors, of course. But tonight we're going to go a little deeper. And we're going to go look at his entire life and see how it really reflects on our life as well. So I'm going to pray. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. And I thank you that, that you, we just get to come here and just worship you. And God, I pray that your words will be my words tonight. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So growing up, I was the oldest. Now, who is the oldest in the room? Okay, some of the oldest family members, some of the oldest siblings. Now, who is the youngest in here? Okay, so we have some older and some younger. Now, where's the middle children that don't really count all the time? You guys kind of get misplaced in the shuffle. Sorry, it's just, just kidding. You guys are loved, of course. But so growing up, I had a little brother. He's about two years younger than I am. And me and him used to just fight and bicker and just do everything that brothers do. And I, I kid you not, from the years, from about the time he was born, like he wasn't even out of the womb yet, to about the age of 16 or 17, his main job, his main goal in life, and he would be up here, if he was up here, he would say the same thing, his main goal in life was to annoy me. Like, by far. He would even say that. My goal in life was to annoy me. You know, we had bunk beds growing up. I was on top. He was on bottom. He was the type of little brother that, you know, would kick his feet up against 
against my bed, you know, raising me up and just trying to wake me up in the middle of the night. And we used to fight all the time. You know, you slap box each other a little bit. And then, you know, every, time, every now and then you just got to give them a, a quick, you know, hit to the throat. Just kind of let them know you're there. That was the type of relationship that we had. And so when you're talking about Joseph, Joseph is this younger brother. He's the youngest of 12 brothers. And he's also the favorite. Now, parents in here, I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but let's be real. There's always a favorite. There's always some kind of favorite. I don't know about you, but I, th- I would like to think I was a favorite, but, you know. You know, I've heard parents say, I don't have favorites. I just love them differently. That, what does that even mean? You love them differently. I don't, I'm not sure what that means. But we're not supposed to have favorites. But in this story, Joseph is the favorite son. It's because Joseph's father had him at such a, an old age that Joseph was the favorite. He was a little brother. He was a little guy, but he was also the favorite. You know, I was even telling my wife the other day, we don't have kids yet, um, but God willing, we'll have a, kids in the future. My wife's a kindergarten teacher. I have enough kids of my own, um, so pray for us. Um, but, you know, thinking about Joseph, he was this favorite child, and he knew it. He was that kind of confident kid, a little too confident for himself to know. But he, and he was always treated the best. And I'm not sure why sometimes the baby is somewhat treated the best. You know, they don't really get the hand-me-downs because the hand-me-downs have been so worn out that they just get all the new stuff. And they just kind of get away with everything because, you know, the parents are just tired. They're exhausted by the time the last one comes out. So they kind of get away with things. They kind of get away with everything. And Joseph is this brother who gets everything. And one day his father, because he's the favorite, he comes home and brings this coat home of many colors. We've all heard the story. The coat of many colors. Now, I'm not sure exactly why you would want a coat of many colors. I mean, he probably looked like Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm just, I don't, I don't know why he would want that. But back then, that, apparently that was a big deal. It was a big fashion statement. And so Joseph gets this coat and his life will never be the same afterward. It'll never be the same afterward, and he didn't even know it. You see, the fact is that Joseph's life was going great until then. Joseph's life was pretty good. You know, he was the favorite. But the problem was that his brothers were jealous of him. So much so that the Bible says that they actually hated Joseph. Now, if you look in the, he- in the, in the, in the original Hebrew, the word for hate in that particular passage, it was, you know, so much so that it was actually the antonym of love. It was the complete opposite of love. That's how much hatred they had for Joseph. And then on top of that, Joseph has these two dreams. He has these two dreams. And so the first dream he has, you know, him and his brothers are farmers. They're, you know, they're gathering all this grain. They're gathering these bundles of, of wheat and everything. And in the dream, it's a trippy dream, you know, all these bundles of grain start to rise up. And then they bow down to Joseph. And then he has another dream where the sun, the moon, and 11 stars, representing his 11 brothers, they all bowed down to Joseph. Now, Joseph was so excited because, remember, he's like this confident kind of kid. He's, does anybody ever have that son or, or daughter who's just a little too confident? Like, I mean, it's a little too much. Like, Joseph loved himself some Joseph, if you know what I'm talking about. He looked in the mirror and said, you know, I look pretty good today. I'm looking good. And so Joseph wants to tell his brothers this dream because that is just something else that he can put on his platform. It's not only the favorite, but now his brothers are going to bow down to him one day. So I wish I'd go back in time and say, hey, bro, I know you had this dream, but it's probably not a good idea that 11 brothers already hate you. 
and now you're going to say they're going to bow down to you? It's just not a good idea. But Joseph wants to, wants to say it. So Joseph does. He tells his brothers, and his brothers become so jealous of him that they, become up, they come up with this plan. They come up with a lucrative plan to kill him. So they want to take him out to this field and kill him and throw him in a pit. And so he has one brother who's like, you know what, this is probably a bad idea. Anybody happy for, anybody glad that they have like a sensible brother or sister in life to make you not do stupid things? I am. I'm very glad for that. But so Joseph has this one brother who said, you know what, let's just leave him in a pit. And his idea was that he was going to come back and rescue him later on. But his brothers found out about the plan, and they saw some, some traders coming by. And they're like, you know what, let's just sell him off to slavery. We, won't, we don't have to kill him, but we'll just sell him off to slavery. And that's what they did. And I think we can learn a great lesson here before we even go even further, that jealousy happens in our lives more than we'd like to admit. Some of us are jealous of somebody else's house or maybe somebody else's job. Or if we, you know, if we just had that car, then everything would be different. I know for me, I get jealous over people's cars when I drive in the parking lot. I don't know about you, but I drive a 2000 Toyota Camry with 207,000 miles. And uh, somebody actually stole the front Toyota logo off. I don't know why. I, it's, it's probably worth like $5, but somebody stole it off. And I get jealous when I start driving through the parking lot. Uh, but I've realized that if you, if you let jealousy control your life, it could do more damage than you ever thought could. It could start, because jealousy breeds contempt, and it started doing that in Joseph's brother's life. And then you might do something that you'll regret forever. So, don't, so you have to guard your heart against jealousy. So let's go back to Joseph. And Joseph's just been sold. Let's read in Genesis 39. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Get this. The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And so Joseph is on this new path of life. He's just been sold into slavery and to this guy named Potiphar. But I believe that Joseph realized that he was going to be a slave probably for a while. And so what does he do? He works hard. He's a hard worker and he stays faithful. And I believe this, it shows that we should all be a hard worker no matter what environment we are put in. See, if you just keep working hard, I promise God will find favor on you. Just like, just like Joseph. And I feel like so many of us, so many times, you know, we always say, you know, one day this, one day this is going to happen for me. One day that is happening. If I could just have this, or maybe this, and maybe it's this. You're saying, tomorrow I'm going to start this, tomorrow that. And I believe that if we always live in this other land of tomorrow, or if we live in the land of just one days, I think that day is never going to happen. That day is never going to happen. God wants you to realize that you can find favor where you are at. Favor can be found where you are now, not just one day down the road. And I believe that you should be a dreamer, that you should have dreams and goals. But if you never live in the moment now, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And Joseph is stuck. And favor can be found where you're at now. I remember when I was in college, I was getting my master's degree at the time. I was playing college baseball, so I was playing about 60 games in a span of a couple months, and I was working at the school full-time, and I remember I was talking to a mentor, and I was like, man, I really, 
I'm really for the next, I'm ready for the next step of life. I want to start getting into church more. I want to start getting into the ministry aspects of everything. And I just feel like I, I, this piece of me is missing. I wanted to be somewhere else. That's what it was. And so he looks at me and he says something I'll never forget. He says, be where your butt is at. Now, he didn't say the word butt, but you could fill in the blank for what he used. But he said, be where your butt is at. And what he meant by that, he says, whatever situation is thrown in you, whatever environment you're in, you are supposed to be there because God has placed you there. Even if it's a place that you don't know what's going on. Even if you're like Joseph, about to be in a pit, or you're thrown into slavery. Be where you are at, and God's going to bless you. Because you never know why you're in that situation. You never know who you're going to meet that you can impact one day. You never know those things. So you are meant to be there for a specific purpose at this specific time. And so Joseph, everything's going good for him for, you know, being a slave. He starts getting higher and higher up in the ranking. But there was an issue. You see, Joseph, the Bible says that he was a handsome and well-built young man, kind of like myself. (laughs) So if you want to picture Joseph, just picture me. Just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. But Joseph is handsome and well-built. And so the issue here is that Potiphar has a wife, and his wife finds Joseph very, very attractive. And so she tries to seduce him over and over again, day after day, try to beg and prod him, like, hey, just come to my bed, come hang out with me for a little bit, and, you know, you know whatever. And so just, just come sleep with me, basically. Can I say that in church? I think I just did. So come sleep with me. And, but Joseph is a man of character, and he always says no to her day after day after day. He's like, why would I mess up things with my master? Why would I mess up things and commit adultery? And I believe this shows a lot about Joseph's character. See, if we want to be a man or a woman of character, stay beside your morals, stay beside your beliefs, and be as close to God as possible. Do not fall in temptation. Because I feel like so many times in our lives, you know, we try to get to the edge of temptation. We're like, God, I see you over there. But I'm just going to sit out here. It's like it's on the borderline of sin. You don't know, but, you know, it's probably sin. And so God wants us to stay as close to, as possible to him, to stay far away from the edge. Because if we always inch to the edge, one day we're going to fall off. Amen. And so one day we're going to fall off. But Joseph is a man of character. And he says no again and again and again and again. Until one day, Potiphar's wife just can't, just can't take it anymore, can't take all the no's. And so she pins up Joseph, because Joseph was allowed in Potiphar's house because he was that high ranking. So Joseph's wife, or Joseph's wife, Potiphar's wife pins Joseph against the wall, pins him against the wall, and says, sleep with me. And Joseph runs away, but the problem was he left his cloak, left his coat in Potiphar's wife's hand. And so Potiphar's wife is so upset with Joseph that one sleep with him, wouldn't sleep with her, that she makes up this lie and tells Potiphar about it, saying, you know, you, you know Joseph tried to rape me, and here's his, here's his coat just to prove it. And so Potiphar is so upset, like any other man would be, that he throws him in Pharaoh's jail, thrown in jail. Now, if you think about this, think about, just imagine Joseph's life so far. His brothers hated him, so they sold him. He's thrown in a pit, sold to Potiphar, Potiphar accuses him. His Potiphar's wife accuses him. He's thrown into jail. I mean, he is, he's on the struggle bus right now. He's on the struggle bus, and there's no stops in between. And he's living this life. But get this. While Joseph was in jail, he has a positive attitude and works hard in everything he does. 
The Bible says this in Genesis 39. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison guard. You see, even though Joseph was in a terrible situation once again, God was with him and Joseph stayed faithful. See, I believe that if we are faithful to God, God is going to be faithful to us. We have to show faithfulness. We have to make the best of our situation no matter what it is. We just have to be faithful where we are at. And so Joseph is in there probably a couple months, a couple years. And then these two guys come down to be in prison with him. The cupbearer of Pharaoh and a baker. Now you have to think about this. A cupbearer has one job. He holds the cup of Pharaoh. How bad do you have to be at your job to be thrown in jail when you hold a cup? I mean, he's fumbling around the cup. Maybe he broke a chalice. I don't know what it is. And you have a baker who just made one too many bad cupcakes, and he's thrown in jail. He's just hanging out. So those three are hanging out in jail. And one day, the cupbearer and uh, the baker have dreams. And guess who can interpret dreams? Joseph. And so basically what the dreams meant, meant the cupbearer, good news, cupbearer is going to get his job back one day. Bad news for the baker, um, his head is going to be impaled on a stick and he's not going to get his job back. Um, mainly he's going to die. And so guess what? Joseph's, uh, Joseph's interpretations come to fruition. So the cupbearer gets his job back and the baker dies with his head cut off and he's, his head is impaled on the stick. And now, if you're thinking that the Bible is pretty boring, I think you should go back and read it because um, there's some crazy stuff that happens. Like, you can't make that kind of stuff up. And so this is Joseph. And so the cupbearer gets his job back. And you would think, you know, he would throw Joseph a bone, you know, in jail. This guy just helped me out. My, his dream actually came to be. But guess what? The cupbearer forgets about Joseph completely. And this is the second time in Joseph's life that he's been forgotten. Second time. See, the first time was when his brothers sold him into slavery. They kind of pushed him aside, saying, I'm going to forget you. I don't care about you. You're gone. And the second time, by his own cellmate, he's forgotten again. And I I really want you to see this. It says, you see, the world's going to forget you a lot. But God will always find you. The world's going to forget you. The world's going to fail you. But I promise If you stick with God, if you are faithful to him, he's always going to find you. And so he's left in jail for two years, and he waited. And I could preach a whole other sermon on Joseph waiting. But he waited for two years for his opportunity. He just stayed faithful, stayed the course, and always lived in the waiting. See, some of us in here need to learn the hardest word in the dictionary, to wait. See, we live in a microwave society, and what I mean by that is that we can get everything in an instant. You want a cheeseburger and fries? Guess what? McDonald's has it warming up in a steamer, and it's ready for you in just a couple seconds. You want to go to Chick-fil-A, the Christian chicken? Delicious, yummy. Chick-fil-A sounds pretty good right now. If you want that, guess what? They have a million fryers. I don't know how they do it, but it's so fresh, and they get it to you in 30 seconds and with a smile on their face, and it's, it's a pleasure. I don't get it. But we have to learn how to wait. We can't even wait for the internet anymore. Does anybody remember AOL internet, the dial-up? You hear all the buzzy noises? I remember being a teenager trying to do my homework and hear, you know, all these crazy sounds. And then it takes 15 minutes to connect, and then probably you're going to get dropped. I remember that. It was terrible. Now we, get fun, now we get internet on our phones, our iPads. We can get on our computers in just seconds. And they have this thing called Wi-Fi now. I have no idea how it works. It's magical. 
It's magic. It's floating in the air. You get Wi-Fi. But we can't wait. And I feel like this, it, this interprets into our life as well. So many times we can't wait on life circumstances when God is telling us just to wait. We must learn to wait, just as Joseph did. When life throws you curveballs, when life it just it seems like impossible, so God's telling you sometimes just wait it out. Amen. Stick through it. Finish the race. Sometimes you have to wait on your situation in order for God to provide for your situation. Sometimes you have to wait. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Joseph who waits. He doesn't take all the things that are thrown at him right away. Joseph waits and he's faithful. And so Joseph waits and waits and then two years later, something amazing happens. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has this dream that no one else can interpret. He's asking all his magicians, all his religious people, and no one else can interpret his dream. And so the cupbearer, you know, he's sitting there, he hears this conversation, and bing, light bulb hits. Hey, I got a buddy down in the cell, Pharaoh, I forgot to tell you about. He can kind of interpret dreams. It's kind of a big deal. Maybe you should talk to him. And so so the cupbearer tells this to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh summons Joseph, and right away, Joseph can interpret the dream. And basically what the dream said was that Pharaoh and his land, all of the Egyptian people, they're going to have a great famine, and millions of people could die if they don't do something quick. And so what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh believes Joseph's story, and what he does, he makes him a ruler, makes him ruler all over all the land, and he is in charge of getting uh, a percentage of crops from every single person, all the grain, all the wheat, everything that they'll need during this famine. And so Joseph becomes a great ruler in the land just under Pharaoh. Now you see, we can learn a valuable lesson here. Throughout Joseph's life, he stayed faithful. He stayed faithful over and over and over again. You see, his, his life, he shouldn't have been the ruler he was a slave. He was, he was caught up in that. It wasn't even his fault. I feel like life sometimes, we feel like we, we can't even do anything right, or maybe we just feel like everything's up against us. Joseph had everything stacked against him, but look where he ended up. He was in a pit, and he ends up in a palace. And this, this is my main point of the night. If you don't get anything out of my sermon except for this point, that's awesome. If you stay faithful, God will be fruitful. If you stay faithful, stay the course, God's going to be fruitful in your life. If you are faithful to God, God's going to be faithful to you. If you just focus on the faithfulness of God, focus on God completely, he's going to do the rest. And I feel like so many times in life, we feel like we're in a pit. We can't do anything right. And God's just saying, be faithful where you're at. Be faithful. And whether you know it or not, God is preparing for you something that you were prepared to do. Whether you know that or not, God is preparing for you to do something that only you were prepared to do. See, we are all, we are all uniquely created by God to do, have a unique purpose in life. You can only reach the people that you can reach because you are in that setting. And we are, call, we are all called to do that. You see, if we just worry about staying faithful, stay where God is telling us to stay, Staying the course, do as Paul says, and finish the race. God's going to show up in a big way. You see, Joseph had the right to, to give up everything. He had, the, he had that right. He was sold, put in a pit, forgotten by his own family, accused, put in jail, forgotten again by people. 
And yet, look where he ended up. Because it was because he stayed the course. He stayed faithful, even in the hardest times of his life. He didn't give up. He never quit. And God blessed him beyond that he could ever imagine. And the world forgets you, but God will never forget you. The world will fail you, but God's never going to fail you. Now, I'm not saying life is going to be easy. I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, you know, unicorns and rainbows are just going to come out everywhere. It's just life doesn't happen like that. You're going you're gonna to find a million dollars on the side of the road. But I'm telling you, if you just stay faithful, God's going to be fruitful. Stay faithful. And see, what's cool is that Joseph was blessed beyond that he could ever dream of. And so Joseph, during this time when the famine hits, you know, he's dealing with all these people, thousands, millions of people are coming to, to Egypt to get grain, to get food. And guess who comes by? His family, his brothers. And his brothers don't immediately recognize who Joseph is. So they sold him off years and years ago. They sold him off, didn't care, didn't care about him anymore. But Joseph remembers instantly who his brothers are. And so Joseph, this is what he says. This is so cool. In Genesis 45, verse 4, he says, Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty angry. I'd be pretty upset. And he says something so cool. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. See, this famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last another five years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to keep your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Not you. Imagine if we looked at life like that. Whatever situation we're in, whatever, throw, whatever life throws our way, imagine if we looked at that, that we were planted here, that we were supposed to be in this moment. That you, you, may, you maybe even feel like you're in a pit. You may not know what to do, but I'm telling you, God has placed you here at your job, at your place, in your family. And he's telling you just to hold on, just to keep going. That you're going to get out of the pit one day. Just keep going. Keep pushing on. And just, be feel, just because you feel like your life is in a pit doesn't mean God isn't working in your life. He's always working. And think about this. Joseph's brother's intentions were very different than God's intentions. But yet, yet God used the same situation for good, not for evil. And that's who God is. He's a transformational God. God makes all things new. Get this point. God makes all things new. He never said he would make all new things because then there would be no transformation in that. God restores things. That's who he is. And that's what he does when he saves you. That's what he does when you commit your life to him. That's what he is. He's the same situation so many times. And I love what Philippians 1, 6 says. It says, and I'm certain that God who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. On the day when Christ returns. See, God uses bad situations and turns them into good. 
God uses worse situations and turns them even into greater. That's who God is. And I feel like God is telling me to tell you this. Just hold on. Hold on to your life when it's going bad. Hold on to your finances when you feel like you can't do anything right. Hold on to your family. Hold on to your marriage. If you just keep working at it like Joseph did and just be faithful to God, he's going to be faithful in your life in every aspect. I promise you. Remember, if you just stay faithful, God is going to be faithful. God's going to be fruitful in ways you never even thought of. If you just focus your, your eyes on Jesus and be faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to you. He's always going to be faithful. And you might be hurting now, but I promise you God's got you. You might feel like you're in a pit, but guess what? God's got you. God's saying just finish the race finish where you're at. There's going to be blessings on the other side, I promise you. Just get through this season. Just hold on. And I feel like some of us, we feel like sometimes we either, it's self-inflicted or we just feel like we're just going through this time where we don't know what to do. God's just saying, just hold on. Just be faithful to me. Maybe you may, or maybe your past is in your way. Well, guess what? We all have a past, but Jesus has a future. God has a future for us. It's so amazing if we can just live like Joseph lived, it'd be so amazing. It's not just bad luck in the situation you're in. Life isn't fair. But God's just saying, just stay faithful to me. Stay faithful to me. Stay faithful and God will be fruitful. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected with us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala. 